At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? Oh, Derek, we traveled, but I'm not upset about it. So we'll start with uh, introductions and titles if they exist, and then we'll dive into all things you and your business. Well, I'm Jeff Toy from Toy Brothers Entertainment, and uh, yeah, that's my title. (laughs) (laughs) What is Toy Brothers? Toy Brothers Entertainment feature, it started off as a DJ business, and it's progressed over the last 22 years from DJ, photo booths, uplighting, fun spark machines and traveling and a lot of things now it's just uh really progressed from year one to year 22 it's kind of uh, humbling to see the roots of where we came from to where we are today so 22 years ago this is kind of fascinating because technology was different 22 years ago oh yeah so like what was what did you start with because obviously it's not what you have now all right so if I'm going to pull up an old logo for you and you guys can post it <laughs> later on. But uh, my brother was in the military and that's how the business started. And mm-hmm. we, um, he, he got a signing bonus for like 2,500 bucks. Um, I was a junior in high school at the time. My brother graduated and he's like, oh, I'm going to go into the air reserves. Like, let, I'm like, can I use that money? Let's start a DJ business. <laughs> and he's, my parents cried literally cried it was uh i still joke about it because my dad works for me today i was like dad remember like 25 years ago when you i said i was gonna do this and you and mom cried because like <laughs> we were wasting money and now he comes with me almost every weekend but um but back then cds and my logo looked like the napster head so for people that remember like for the beginning days of downloading music i don't do that anymore um <laughs> that our logo was that and a napster head and four versions of the military for you because that's where the green came from. The green was literally the four branches of the military at the time. Mm. And it was like superimposed in the black and in the back. So it was black and green. And then it progressed to what it was. But I had to keep the green because the the roots from the beginning. So that makes sense why you're toy bros. I mm. don't know that you started with your brother. Yep. And then, then he went into the nightclubs. We started DJing. 
I was 17 when I started the business with my brother and we were DJing at Chippewa and it, we used to call it Club Iroquois <laughs> because it, <laughs> that's, no that's where I went to high school and everybody came to the club but, but, and got all the X's on the hands and we promoted and I would get home at like 6 a.m. and then go to school. How, what, you got to back up. <laughs> I know a lot going on. I got a lot going on. <laughs> where was the obsession for DJing? Like, when did that actually start? It didn't. You, it was, uh, they, I like to read books, listen to podcasts, you know, obviously here we are. But one of the most um, interesting things I've ever heard was that there's three or four moments in your life that change the path of it. And at the time I was in my young 20s and I was like, oh, the DJing stuff. And I was teaching too at the time. But I'm like, looking back, that statement, I'll be 40 this year is like really rings true. I was, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was one of those few moments that you can visually like memory, like remember. And one of my friends came up to me and said, you're responsible. I just got asked to be the radio club president. Do you want to be the vice president? And this was in like June of 2000. And I was like, that sounds fun. I'll do that. So I'm like, and I got to be in a different homeroom and little lax rules and that. So that entire summer. I downloaded music from Napster, hence the Napster head logo mm -hmm. that started with Toy Bros. And then I started DJing all the school dances because I was the vice president of Radio Club. And then I was like, you know what? I can do this. And that's when I asked my brother for the money and we started DJing just backyard parties. And in my crazy life, I graduated college in two and a half years and started teaching at the same school. So I took over Radio Club and then I had I was friends with everybody around the area other teachers and then we started doing school dances and then it progressed to mainly weddings now but at one point we were doing over 50 to 60 high schools alone their oh homecomings gosh. their proms all of that what what year range was that through that started so i graduated high school in 2001 college in 2003 so wrap your head around that for a second it was crazy um so that was really toy bros really kicked off from 2006 to 9 uh, when I was teaching and doing that, then I was running teen dances like Midwinter Bash and a couple other teen nights. And that's that money. I used a lot of that money to really kickstart Toy Bros and started buying mm -hmm. nice equipment and rather than just, you know, the $2,000 because that doesn't buy you a lot even back then. I didn't know that you actually started like you were the reason Iroquois started radio club no that's been around since the 50s and 60s oh, okay but um but the guy that was running it had nobody to run it the next year so he asked the, some other girl that was in uh her name's michelle um in student government hey do you want this on your you know college resume too and she's like find some other people that would be good for it and, and then she asked me and the rest is history that's wild it is wild and <laughs> it's it's even crazier to think that you were probably hosting a school dance where you just see some insanity. <laughs> Much insanity. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I stutter there just because the things that I have seen, I probably could never speak of on a podcast. <laughs> and it's interesting, too, because it's like a, a middle school or a high school dance. And you're like, where is the student teachers? Like the actual teachers are chaperoning this dance and they're allowing right. this to occur. It's just it was I don't know, man, like early 2000s. Things were weird. And I will say this is that one of the one of our places that we work at a lot, we're one of two DJ companies allowed in. So we have very good relationships with a lot of venues, but it's riches. Hmm. And back in the early 2000s, they had the airplane hanging up top um, and we DJed from a set of stairs that were up like two flights looking down on the dance floor. And like I said, at that point, I was 
mainly doing 50 or 60 proms a year. And that was a place that a lot of people had proms back then. And when you're looking down two flights of stairs and at the whole dance floor, you can see a whole lot. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> That's insane. It's changed. It's very nice now. <laughs> yeah. So what, what branched from, so the progression of toy bros, it was school dances and then it slowly moved into weddings, but you are also known in the area for photo booths. Yes. So it's kind of funny that we're having this podcast right now because I did an event this weekend um, for, for a couple that I've known now for almost 20 years. And when I DJed their wedding, probably like 18 years ago, it was the first time I ever saw a photo booth and it was at uh, clocks and I'm like, well, this is a cool idea. And then that's how kind of how that started, but it's, I'm never okay with being okay. Mm -hmm. I always joke and, and, and don't take this now because it's very different here, but the city of Buffalo people in Buffalo were just okay with being okay. And that was always my saying in the two thousands to up until about five years ago. Now things are really progressing. There's a lot of stuff going on and it's great to see, but for a while there, we were just kind of like skating by, right? Nothing going on, no progression downtown, no nothing. And so it was just very easy to make money without trying. And I was like, well, that's boring. I'm like, I need to keep on innovating. So I kept innovating. And at the time, like Facebook was really getting popular and I started being able to use it as a networking tool and I still use it today. And there's people that I talk to that started at the same time as I did and we still talk today and we're the ones innovating in the industry and the rest of the people are like, oh, that's a good idea. And now mm -hmm. they're copying and which is fine because that's how the industry, that's how this world works. You just got to keep on innovating even further. But when I saw that photo booth back, it was probably 18 years ago. I'm like, I'm going to do that. And within the next two years, I bought eight companies photo booths. I spent pretty much my entire teacher salary at the time buying these booths and I'm like, I can do it better. And then I started researching and started building my own. And I have over 3,000 clients all around the world that have used my booths or that use my booths for rentals. And it's kind of like the hidden secret. But, you know, it's not something I talk about a lot because it's just, you know, it's not like, oh, I've sold all these photo booths all over the world. I have all these people making six figures a year and doing this. It's just kind of something that I did on the back end. But, you know, if, if you know about photo booths, you're probably coming across my YouTube video that has 150,000 views on it. And that was like <laughs> from like 12 years ago and, you know, and, and kind of like progressing, right? Like you can't have the same product always. I mean, our booths that we even rent out in Buffalo, I update on every three, four, five, six months. And just because one, they're in my warehouse mm -hmm. and two, I want to keep on innovating because if you stay stagnant, then somebody catches up and passes you. And that's the last thing that I want because I like being on top of the innovation. Yeah. Is that kind of where that 360 camera thing came from too, where you're just thinking what's next? Yeah, that was, um, that was, that came around in about 2019 and then everything happened. So that kind of took the back burner, but when 2021 hit, it just came full bore and I was like, all right, I'm in this. And I hired some great photographers, videographers, did some promo videos. And I had so many connections through the last like 15 years of doing this with, um, everything's made in China that mm -hmm. had a lot of like connections and, and Shenzhen and different places over there that I was like, all right, where can I get the best quality one? And then I would get it shipped over here. Then I would fix it up and make sure it was lived up to my quality and send it out. And since 2021, I probably sold about 400 of those alone. And then on top of that, obviously I rent them out and I keep on innovating up until three, four months ago, I was using an iPhone to record video. And now everything's a DSLR camera, mm -hmm. 20, like the files that I'm sending out are 20 megs. 
it's not like you know it's not like just like a quick iphone photo it's like high quality you could use it on a commercial on tv sure yeah. so back you said you kind of hit your stride or toy bros took off like 2005 2009 mm -hmm. what do you attribute that to was it just you getting into a different industry um being relentless okay that's really what it was it was not taking no for an answer and I like to be a likable guy because I care. Like if I do something, I'm going to put a hundred percent into it. It's easy. And this is something I always said, even when I was teaching for those seven years, it's easy to do the 90%. It's from that. And it's easy to do 95% for most things. It's from that 95% to a hundred percent, which really makes you stand out. And that's where I believe that we strive it's because when I show up, it's not, I'm just playing music or I'm not just, you know, selling you a photo booth. I'm selling you my knowledge. I'm selling you me that like you can count on me to make something happen to you. And that's where I feel a lot of this trust has built over the last 22 years. And that's kind of what my foundation is on. And at the end of the day, that's all I have yeah. is me, right? It's not the technology. It's not the cool things, cool new toys I'm debuting. It's, you know, they can rely on me. Yeah, I think that that's kind of an important part because especially when you get into DJs and I want to talk about your first wedding that you did too, but when you get into weddings and people investing in you to make their night better, you have a wide range of quality of DJs. Mm -hmm. And someone like you, I mean, we've talked about this before where you can read a room, which I don't think most people can, where you're like, this is not yeah. the song to play right now. Sweet Caroline, no one's out there. <laughs> yeah. So how do I change this dynamic and get people out on the dance floor? Like, I feel like that's very unique to good DJs, yourself included. Well, I appreciate that since I DJed both of your weddings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but from doing this for so long, um, I don't allow anybody really to come work for my company that hasn't that that one either doesn't have an experience or two hasn't worked for me or I have known. Most of my DJs have at least five years of experience working for my company. And then on top of that, the younger ones I make run photo booths for me. And then I give them like forms to fill out. Like what was the first song that the DJ played? What was the last song? How were his announcements? And I was like, you know, it's the teacher side of you. Mm -hmm. And I may, I would make them do that a couple times if I knew they want to do that, or I'll send them a text message why I'm working and being like, all right, how's your event going? How's the DJ? It's not with our company. And then they can kind of get an idea of like, all right, here's how other DJs are rather than us. And you know, it's, I always tell people it's easy to DJ. It's hard to have a personality. Mm -hmm. I'd rather teach somebody how to DJ from nothing and and they have the personality because that's really the key there. It's the key is it's not so much the music part, it's that you're dealing with the wedding planner, you're dealing with the venue, you're dealing with the photographer, you're dealing with the videographer, you're dealing with the mother of the bride, you're dealing with all these people, all these personalities, like you said, you're reading the room. Mm -hmm. The dance floor is the easy part, right? Like after you do about 10, 15 weddings, you can kind of get the idea of like who who's gonna do what. And the teacher side of me has uh, my playlist for the last like 15 years and I have them labeled like an older crowd, um, you know, starts young, Friday night weddings. Like there's just like kind of like trends that mm -hmm. happen when you start seeing them for so long. And I've probably DJed well over a thousand weddings at this point. So everybody, and I'm quite anal about like my technology too, everybody uses the same exact stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're out working and we're DJing six, seven, eight weddings and in 20, and at some point we were doing 12, 14, which we don't even do nearly as many because the older I get, the more I care. And it's not that I, it's, that's like the wrong way to say it, but it's um, the more stressed out I get. So it's now it's kind of the point where I'm like, all right, how much is too much for me to handle that I know that I am 
I have, I still have my pulse on everything. Sure. Right. And that's when we'll go out and, you know, on an average Saturday, we'll DJ seven or eight weddings and I can handle that easy. I have the plenty of DJs that can handle that. And all my DJs have other jobs and a lot of them are school teachers. So, and that I met along the way, but being like, all right, well, I have this kind of wedding. We'll have a group chat going and be like, well, go into 2017, September 23rd, look at that playlist and then kind of go from there. Or if something else happens and they're like, oh, this wedding planner came up and dinner is going to get pushed back. And I'm like, all right, here's what you need to do. And once it happens once, it's already happened, Mm -hmm. right? That's the joy of DJing. It's like the unexpected. You go into work every day and you don't know what you're going to expect. You do, but you don't. And that's what makes it fun. That's fascinating. There's so much to unravel there. There is. (laughs) Because there's that, everything you just spoke on, but then the other side where you and I have had this conversation before about acoustics of different venues Mm -hmm. and there's X amount of venues in Buffalo. However, the sound can be greatly affected at each venue and each venue is completely different. So how was that learning curve? Were you obsessed with that part of it? I was obsessed with part of it in the beginning and I still am, but I realized that most clients are not, they just don't understand it unless they're stuck in the corner of a wedding venue and they can't hear the speech of somebody speaking. Like right now, if I move this mic like to towards you, I can't control that. I can't fix that. And I also can't run up and be like, Hey, fix your mic because (laughs) there's a videographer going and then it just, it just kind of throws off the whole night. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just, you just can't handle it. But it's also, you know, that 20 page form that I have that I give to all my new DJs saying, all right, when you line people up, here's what you say. It's like what you told me before, like audio goes on the left. That's how you start. And like, we'll say the same thing to people giving speeches. Here's how you hold the microphone. Here's how you go. And I always make a joke. Don't screw it up because it's on me, not you. <laughs> and, I, and they laugh and it's just fun. But I'm like, no, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's truth to yeah. this. And, and you really, a DJ, a good DJ is one that can't get unraveled quickly because so many things go wrong. There's hardly a wedding that I do where at least one or two things don't go Mm -hmm. the way they should, but it's the DJ's job and the wedding venue and the organizer, but really the DJ, because we're making all the announcements and controlling the whole tempo of the night to keep everything together Mm -hmm. and make people not even notice, like whether announcements have to be 10 minutes late because the food's running late and you don't want the venue to look bad and you don't want the people to get mad being like, oh, I paid for this and it needs to be on time. because brides are always like, boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, right? You know, you, you both have been there. And, and the, our job is to keep, just keep everything raveled together. So the first wedding you ever did, did you, obviously you didn't know all this when you no, started. And, and YouTube didn't even exist really back then. <laughs> I mean, it did. And, but you couldn't find tutorials on how to do things. And it was like, all right, I did some school dances, some of my friend's backyard parties making like $100 a night. You know, my parents were probably right at that point, a bad investment. Um, but I'm like, all right, let me figure this out. And um, and the first one was not great, but like, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. So I have a, I probably still have my notebooks in place where I would write notes down mm. after every event that I did and of what went well, what didn't go well, how do I handle things? And that's why to this day, I still make every couple like you guys did fill out a form like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of forms online i'm very digital for everything that i do except for that wedding form it's a pdf you can type it out and fill it out but for me you're putting effort into it right you're not just clicking boxes and that was for me like how my growth through the process like the first wedding i did was fine it was looking back i'm like 
probably the worst event that I ever did. But, you know, and I always text my guys after every event, like your next event doesn't matter. Like your last event that you did doesn't matter. Now mm -hmm. you're only as good as the last event that you did. So tonight's a new one and you got to put on the next show and it's got to get better than the last one. Right. right. But um, it, it's super interesting looking back and seeing like these venues that I was working at. And when I was, I started when I was 17 and I started DJing weddings when I was like 19, 20. And I look back at photos when I was 19, 20 and I look like I was 12. So like, <laughs> here's this DJ, like trying to control the night and trying to like, you know, work with photographers and videographers. And they're looking at me probably like, who is this twerp over here? Right, yeah, like trying kid. to like do this. And, and I was a kid. I had no <laughs> idea what I was going to You fake it until you make it. Right. Absolutely. So when you're going like right now, do you always listen to music to see like what's coming up next? No, no. Um, so I, once a month I'll really go through everything. I, when I work, I, I like house music. That's uh that's kind of like what I listen to, like tropical house and things just so I like, I, I need something on mm -hmm. always like, like right now, just talking to you guys with no other sound. It's like killing me because I need <laughs> like, whether it's the TV, whether it's music going, I just need something like yeah. just to keep me going. But I have a very good ear for like, finding like what's the good song right you've been doing this long enough i'm like oh that's a good song but i'll never play it dancing because nobody's going to dance mm -hmm. to it right and you know and i feel like i attributed that to the early 2000s too when i was running all those events i was bringing it acts into town like fire east movement when they had like a g6 like i brought i booked them before they even had a song on the top 100 but i found it mm. and i'm like oh this is a good song and when i brought them to town they had the number one song in the country like that week and i found them like three months before that oh, so i'll like once a month i'll go through all my record pools and i'll be like listen through it and be like all right this is good this is good and then obviously you got to download like the taylor swifts and things mm -hmm. like that but like you know about 60 percent of what i play is that is, is the same at every wedding it's just the timing that you play it right it's uh and i like to play i've made i make remixes too all my guys have my remixes but i like to play old songs that everybody knows but give them a little more upbeat to it 120 128 beats per minute and keep the party going right mm -hmm. it's a party and that's why we only play like one slow song a night when we put it on our wedding forums we want to keep the energy high right mm -hmm. that's that's the goal it's like the whole wedding day is about you guys until we start playing music, then it's not about you anymore. It's sure. about all your guests. And we try to explain that to couples and some of them like it. Some of them don't most, most people understand, but when you put it that way, they're like, Oh, I never thought about that. And I'm like, it's true. And, and I, and I use the analogy of the thirds. So we meet with all our couples before weddings and a third of the wedding of music you pick third, we pick and a third, your guest pick, but mm -hmm. our third and, and your guest third are based off the third that you pick. Mm -hmm. So, and then we just kind of like go off of that. Oh, that's cool. And the other third, <laughs> that matters is DJ bar and food. Those are the three things that everybody oh, yeah. guest wise cares about at a wedding. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a good analogy. Yeah. That's, it comes in thirds. I'm going to use that. Thanks. Gotcha. I'm going to trademark it too tomorrow. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so you've progressed into becoming a well-known brand essentially in the wedding industry specifically. Mm. Now, what was the, timeline or progression i guess is the best way to put this to become like a preferred vendor for a venue and who was your first you know i never asked anybody i to this day i have never asked to be on anybody's preferred vendor list because i'm the guy that always does for people but never asked in return mm -hmm. it's kind of like my greatest strength and weakness if i went to an interview that's probably what i would say because it's true to this day and um and my first place that i was like i finally was like 
do you have a preferred vendor list? Because I really like working here. Was Asbury Hall, and that's not oh, no nice. joke. That's no joke. Um, Austin was there, and I'm like, you know, he's a good guy, and I'm like. I'm like, do you have a preferred vendor list? Because we're here a lot, and you know, it's it's nice to work with you. You actually know what you're doing, and because we go to so many venues where we kind of start running the show, because they just go through so many people in the industry. Like you see them like every three months or somebody changing. And I mean, this was the early 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. There's hardly anybody that exists from that time, from that time period. But he's like, oh yeah, you're already on it. And I was like, oh thanks. <laughs> and and I was thinking to myself, I was like, why don't I ask? And it's like. I want to prove myself, right? Mm-hmm. I one event's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Two events is going to do it. Is a year going to do it? And you know, then you play these games in your head. Where you're like, well, should I ask now or am I on? And then when I get emails, like today we got an email from a wedding planner, and she's like, I added you to my 2023 preferred vendor list. And I was like, that's amazing. I, you know, it's very humbling because. You know, I have so many employees that work for me. I have like 30 part-time employees from DJs to photo booth operators, mm-hmm. different things that work for me that are still me, right? And that's and that's kind of what I try to tell all of my employees. Who I don't even consider them employees. I consider them family, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what they are. They're, they're really representing me. Like if they screw up, it's me screwing up. It's not them screwing up. I mean, I'll give you a quick story. Uh, this past fall, I had a wedding. And I get this text from a DJ and I was like, oh, he never texts me. And he's been working for me for like eight years now. And he goes, am I in trouble? I was like, oh, and I was like, <laughs> what is this? And he goes, sends a picture and there's a hole, hole on the floor. And he's like, my foot did this. And, uh, and he goes, I was going really hard. It was Cascada every time we touch. And the dance floor is really far away. And I'm like, I'm like, is this real life right now? And he's like, and he's like, am I in trouble? I was like, no, but are you okay? He's like, uh, well, they went and got me a bag of ice. And like my foot's covered and it's a little bloody. But he's like, the party's going. They're having a great time. And I was like, no, you're fine. 1500 bucks later, I fixed the floor and like got it all covered up in that. But I'm like things you never expect to hear but like but he was genuinely worried that i was gonna be mad at him and i'm like you're doing your job and you're pe- you're dancing behind the booth having the time of your mm-hmm. life too and that's what i want i don't want people just to come work for a, a really good pay but just to make the money i want them to have fun too right so when sure. i get that that you know you have the right people working for you that's amazing <laughs> like funny I, never yeah. I saved those texts i was like people are never gonna believe me <laughs> <laughs> Because you have to have a good time when you're there. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it shows. In, yeah. Like, if you're looking behind the DJ booth and the dude's just there just hanging yeah. out, like, doing nothing, it's like, come on. Like, yeah. feel your own music. And that's bit. why I have a hard time because we're always on our phones, too, like, looking up songs. It's not like when a DJ's on their phone they're just, like, bored. It's either we're texting each other, asking what we're playing. Like, we'll have contests every night. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be like, all right, somebody play a 90 song or a 2000 song that you haven't played in a while and that's show your dance floor and I'll like give away prizes or like you'll never guess what is at my wedding it's based off of this and we'll just kind of keep my guys like you know entertained and we'll play different songs you know I'll I'll give the one that has been the kind of the joke running for the last year and a half is it was like 2021 and I was at Pearl Street and this father of the bride comes up to me and he's like, you have to play my favorite song. And I was like, all right. I was like, father of the bride, you know, like seemed like a nice guy. He's like, my neck, my back. <laughs> and I'm like, no, really, what's the song? He's like, really, my neck, my back. And I'm like, all right, I'm playing it. Pack dance floor. So now almost every, I would say at least 90% of the weddings I've DJed since I play that song. 
just to see the reaction I can get. Because like you said, like reading the crowd, you can always fit in a song if you do it at the right time. And now I make it a game to try to fit in. I was at the 4th of July, put doing the, you know, like at, uh, at Canisius Lake and I put it on just the beginning part of it, <laughs> just to see the reaction. All right. And it went over great, but now my DJs are the same way. They're like, they'll take a screenshot be like, I played it tonight. Played it. <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be a difficult thing to navigate though, too, is like people coming up and asking oh, yeah. you for stuff. You because always say yes. they're always, Oh yeah. But yeah. you never do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're already, you're already winning. You're already good. <laughs> Because sometimes people can choose some really bad songs, yeah. and it's like I don't want to play another slow song tonight. Or some like older lady, bless her soul, will come up and be like, "Can you play something old for the old people to dance to?" And we've seen this a million times, right? Where all my guys that work for me probably DJ about forty weddings a year, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. That's there's twenty six Saturdays from May until the end of October, right? Just putting that into perspective. So forty weddings, they're giving up half their Saturdays of the year to DJ for mm-hmm. me. Um, and they'll be like, can you play like an older song? And then you'll play it and they just won't get up anyways. And I would say that's at least 99% of the time, but then you don't want to be mean because they're your elders. So they're like, yeah, I'll see if I can get on it. And then if they come up again, sometimes we'll use the line of oh, the files corrupt. I don't know what happened. I'm like, and they're like, <laughs> or like, can you play from my phone? Oh, I just won't find it. will sound really muffly. It's just like, we have to use all this professional equipment. Right. But, um, but we always say yes, we'll try to fit all of them in. But also, we also have to take into account your playlist and do not playlist that mm-hmm. the bride and groom give us as well. What is your do not playlist? Because I found <laughs> it hilarious when I was going through that form. Oh, I, I mean, there's a reason why we did a couple of WGR weddings this past uh, couple of years. It's because the first one on there is Bon Jovi and it has Go Bills. <laughs> um, and then it's like the Hokey Pokey, the YMCA, any traditional like chicken dance, like any traditional wedding song that you would think we won't play. We just won't. It's just I, like, even if somebody requests it, we won't play it. Like just out of principle. Cha-Cha Slide, I believe is on there too. Cha-Cha Slide's on there. Um, we will play that if that's the only song that they want to hear, like line dance. But um, but we try to stay away from that too. There's those songs that attempt to get people out on the dance floor, mm-hmm. but it's, it still ruins the mood at that point. It's our crutch, yeah. right? Yeah. If, um, there's traditional weddings and there's fun weddings, right? Traditional weddings are still fun, but traditional weddings, they want the traditional music because that's all they know. Mm-hmm. So like the cha-cha slide, three slow songs, four slow songs, and we all do them. And, and, and they're not like the most fun weddings, but they're challenging, which makes it fun, mm-hmm. right? So it's like a t- different energy. Whereas if I could play anything like my neck, my back and like 90s, 2000s hip hop, I'm going nuts, jumping behind my booth. I'm coming home and I was like, why am I so sweaty? Like <laughs> I'll, I'll drive home sometimes and I won't even listen to music anymore. Or I listen to like Frank Sinatra or something like legitimately because I'm so hyped up. Like I'll get home and my wife will be like, you coming to bed? I'll be like in like two hours because <laughs> I just need to like come down from that high, right? Yeah. As a, when I when I found out I really loved DJing was when I was DJing that high school dance that first year of my senior year, and I'm playing song, and everyone just starts screaming. And you're like, all right, and it was probably like seven o two, like where my girls at, right? That was like my genre, like Tyrese and like that kind of stuff, and the people are just screaming. You're like, all right, this is fun, you know, and that and that's kind of how it really was. Like, I could make something out of this. And then from going to college and graduating in two and a half years, I didn't really have a lot of time to have mm-hmm. like a part-time job. So it was always DJing at the clubs on a Friday or Saturday night and doing some random party. And then really when I started teaching, I also, when I was teaching, I just didn't want to be another number or another name, right? It was 
if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it hundred percent. I'm going to, I'm going to go from that 95 to hundred percent. And I ran student government as well. So then I knew everybody in Western New York that ran student governments, every school. And I just, I was like, do you need a DJ? And they, since I was a teacher, they knew I understood. And then I, that's how I started hiring people. And I used radio club to start training my DJs. That's a good way to do so, it. So in the beginning, almost all of my DJs were high school students or just going into college, like including like DJ Rankan, right? He was like the scruffy care kid that never thought of that he wanted to be a DJ and he's in my room. I'm like, he has a good personality, right? That's what I said. And and then all of a sudden he came in, I was like, you want to do this? And now he travels the world and is a corporate DJ and is killing it. That's gotta be cool for you to see, no, right? A hundred percent. Like, I love it. Like, I love seeing him do that. And I don't take any credit for what he's accomplished. Mm-hmm. I just was like, hey, do you want to do something? And he took it and ran with it, right? I could not teach that. Like, I, I joke to him and we still joke to this day. He's one of my best friends to this day. Like, we still talk all the time. I used to show up to his events and take his hats off. Because in the beginning, I want to teach, you know, the teacher side of me was like, you can't have the fame until you know how the back ends run, right? You need to know how the back ends run. And I still use that today. Like, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, it's easy to learn how to DJ. Mm-hmm. It's hard to have the personality. And then and that's the same token. It's like, you need to know how things are, run, are running here, right? So there's a, there's a reason why we do so many events at the similar venues, because we know how they run. And I'll send DJs that work there a lot, there a lot, because it's just a well-oiled machine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but I don't send them there every week because I don't want it to get old. But luckily, I have about 13 DJs that work for me. Not everybody works every weekend. They have kids, obligations and that. But I know who works well together. And the other thing that you need to worry about is the photographer, right? You, your photographer that you guys had at your wedding were amazing. Mm-hmm. But I also try to send a DJ that's worked with that photographer for a while because we do a lot of things that they can get a lot of shots at or I just want them to be able to work well together because they know each other. And as soon as you walk in, I get the, the thing I get every time I show up, oh, you guys have the green tie. I know we're good, right? Like, And people don't even know I own the company sometimes because there's so many new people in the mm-hmm. wedding industry. They're like, oh, the green ties. I just love you guys. I just know how good you guys are. I don't have to worry about you guys. I don't have to do your job. And that's a common theme is that when somebody complains about like something like a DJ or that, it's not the music part. Right. It's it's being working as a team, right? Like I, I'm a, I sit on these forums like you guys do on the bourbon and stuff and people complain all the time. And I'm on a DJ forum every day. I can't believe you let the videographer hook up into your stuff without him paying for it. I'm like, it does nothing. You just have to hook up an XLR, like, and it's doing nothing to your equipment. It's there to be hooked up into, like, and, but people get so bent out of shape and people here too. And I'm just like, aren't you on the same team? Like, don't you want them to do a good job? Because in turn, that makes you do a good job. Sure. And it's, it's such a small community. Oh yeah. Like the wedding industry in Buffalo, but yeah, the vendors are everything. Like we've mm. talked about we obviously yeah. the three of us have already talked about it, but um and if you haven't watched the other videos that we've already had. But <laughs> the it's it's really common where my wife and I sat down to talk to you about our event and you're like, "Okay, who's like yeah. who else who else is going to be there?" And it that's a legitimate conversation mm-hmm. and it's it's really interesting to see that progression over the years where it's just kind of like you know who's who and then you can see who's going to flake out like exactly. who's not serious about it it's wild i see every like there's you know a photography company that just is not returning phone calls or emails and i'm like they were around for like 10 years right mm-hmm. like it's it's wild to me that somebody could do that i get stressed out when i don't answer an email after an hour like for me 
when somebody emails us, they don't have a question for just us. They have a question for the photographer, the venue. So if I take a day to respond to people, I feel bad. I'll say, hey, I'm sorry it took so long to respond, which in actuality, 24 hours isn't bad. But for me, I'm like, all right, we got to be on this. Because if they're asking me a question, then it takes a day to respond. And then they have to email somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that it's like a week for the, before they really get to what they really need to know, right? Yeah. Generally, are you one of the first vendors that people book for their wedding probably the third the venue the photographer then the dj and do you have a preferred vendor list too that you enjoy like if somebody came to you and was like i want you for my dj i don't have a date yet so probably not but uh do you have photographer ideas oh we uh the photographers are i like to feel people out right mm -hmm. there's a lot of great photographers in buffalo but i can tell within five minutes of having a conversation with somebody who would be a better fit right because it's not just taking the photos. It's also working with that person for the next year for engagement photos, the day of. <coughs> so there's just a lot, there are a lot of moving pieces in that. And I won't re give, give referrals for photographers specifically until I actually have a conversation of what they're looking for, where their venue is. Like there's a lot of these things that people are like, why don't you just give a referrals, like just a blanket list. And I'm, it doesn't work like that. Sure. I've been doing this 22 years. We do over 1,200 events a year now, and we see it all. I need to know where you're at, what what already is in your timeline, and then I can give you a really good idea of what you're looking for just based off of that. Sure. And then I can also, you know, somebody goes, I don't have the date yet. I really want you to DJ. It's like, you, you know you've been doing this long, and you're like, oh, you did my three daughters' weddings. My last daughter is getting married, and you have to do it. It's very humbling when you hear that. I never, like, I joke like when I just said that, but, like, it's very humbling when I get those emails because – that means that, you know, they liked what I did three other times and, you know, I'm only as good as the last time I did. So sure. I, you know, that's been years or you'll show up to a wedding and you DJed like six people in the bridal party's wedding over the last like 10 years. And it's like a nice feeling. They'll come up to you and be like, Hey, do you remember me? And half the time I don't, you want know, to know why I was like, you got your makeup done. You're in a white <laughs> yeah. dress. You were in a suit. And now you're like not wearing all that stuff. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I did. We got married at Avanti Mansion in like 2017, in September. This was our thing. Like, then I'll remember, right? Sure. Like, just like, like but after that. But it's, a, but it's interesting being in this for so long that there's so many, there's so many venues and vendors and people are changing. The industry's changing. I used to run a social night every month for wedding vendors. And then everybody got married and had kids. And that's really what happened. And I, I stopped it. And I, it's something I'm talking about bringing back again after this wedding season, just because the industry has changed so much. And I stopped it probably in 2019. Mm -hmm. And it was only for the sole fact that everybody was getting married and having kids because the industry was so young. And now it's changing again. I, I kept track in 2019. Can you guess how many photographers we worked with? In 2019? Yep. About a thousand of weddings. 12 24 132 oh geez. i was super close <laughs> you were real close yeah. according to your math <laughs> 132 photographers different. Like, that's, different that's insane different different companies like there's companies that will go out and do several in a night they count as one wow yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, so how do you have a preferred vent? Like, it would be just very tough for you to put out just a blanket sheet that mm -hmm. says, I recommend this person. Mm -hmm. I can tell you venues in a heartbeat of the size of the venue, if the food matters to you, the price point, all of that. Mm -hmm. I, in the back of my head, I can I can list off. And honestly, the things I start off with for venues are the people who work there. Mm -hmm. 
because to me, that's what matters. It matters the people that you're going to be dealing with from a day-to-day basis to your wedding. You're spending a lot of money there. You want to know the people working there, how long they've been there. And, and that's kind of what I base my referrals off. For. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Those type of things. It's also like over a year process. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that because it's not just, oh, we're engaged. Like it's, okay, great. Like, cool, that's legit step one. Like, yeah. you haven't even, you didn't even buy your planner yet to backwards plan your entire event off Amazon. Well, exactly. The, the best thing that I did about three years ago was I automated all my emails. So you'll get an email from me about six months before saying, hey, your wedding's coming up. Start thinking about music, and I'll give you some links to that. Five months out, hey, we're getting really excited for your wedding, and it's not because I don't want to send an email out, but we're doing like 30 to 40 events a weekend mm-hmm. just come May. And I'm like, all right, if I can automate this and then spend more time on the client when they call or email and have questions, I mean, it saves us at least 30 hours a week, especially when it gets busy. Sure. Do you still do a lot of events outside of weddings? We do a lot of corporate events. We were lucky enough and fortunate enough to have uh, Bills as the cli- a client of ours. Hmm. And we did about 10 events for them in the last like 30, 45 days and tailgates and 360 booths and just creating fun for them. And, and that's fun because I can be creative, right? Sure. So we created a photo booth and you can see it on our Instagram and stuff. Um, but we create fun layouts, right? And had the Bill Shout song in the background and got people hyped up. I would take three employees to run just one booth for three hours. And I, I couldn't believe we went through a, almost 200 people, 197 people in three hours for the first playoff game in Buffalo. And people were loving, they're like, this is the best thing. And I'm just <laughs> like, I'm like, either you're really nice or you're drunk. <laughs> right. Or both, yeah. or both. <laughs> but it's it's funny because we've gotten at least 20, re- 20 inquiries since then from people using the booths for the both playoff games for the Bills saying, we saw you there and that was like mm. a, such a good quality product that we want to use it for our corporate event or our wedding. Or the always cool thing is somebody comes up to you, or oh, we hired you, and then we're, you know, that's really cool to see you out doing other things. Okay, so... <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. First and foremost, where are you set up so people can go find you at a Bills game? In front of the Bills store that I put us. 
And then it was so popular the first week they hired us for two booths the next week. And luckily I manufacture and sell these all over the world. So I'm like, all right, I can make that happen. You know? And then we set up right next to the stage and people went to both booths because I set it up. It was, it was fun because when the bill shout song, every beat, the 360 changed. So the, the, when you're on the booth, it just spins, right? And you think, oh, that's easy, but it's all the stuff that you do in the back end. So it took me, my, my wife's birthday was a couple weeks ago and I was out of town for the second game, but I want to make a really cool layout. I was up for like eight hours, like till like five in the morning, making it perfect. But if you watch the video and most people probably don't even realize it, every like main beat of the Bill Shout song for 30 seconds, the movement changes. Mm. So, and that's fun. Like when I can be creative like that. That probably frees you up quite a bit, right? Like, are you still doing, do you prefer doing weddings or do you prefer doing some of this extra stuff that, like you said, is more creative and lets you kind of explore a little bit more? Weddings are fun because they're probably the most amount of money that somebody's going to spend in one day. Mm -hmm. And it's, I feel very privileged to be part of that, right? It's not just like, oh, like I'm making a lot of money, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. I spend a lot of time and a lot of stress. I said, the older I get, the more I stress because the more I care, the, because the more I can't go into teaching and the mm -hmm. more my reputation matters. It's been 22 years. I don't want to be the old guy in the industry because nobody wants to be the old guy because they're, a, you know, you're going to a DJ, you want to be fun and young, right? So I, that is a totally different beast. But when I am allowed to do like corporate stuff, like BMW hired us this past summer and they were unveiling all their electric vehicles. Well, we had our cold spark machines and every time one of their guests rolled up, we shot off the cold sparks and it, immediately their head had to turn to look at the new vehicles. And I had like two sparks going off there and then just like the little touches, right? Like I'm always like, a, I keep on saying it's the little touches. Mm -hmm. When somebody was ordering a drink at the bar, I had, I had lightning going behind like up on the tent and it was just that little touch. And it was, it took me like five hours to really get it perfect, but it was the same exact lightning that they used in their ads and that. And I'm like, why don't we do this? And then light, the up lighting that was in, you know, is at Giancarlo's. I uplit the entire Giancarlo's BMW colors, but then I also underlit all the tables. And in the beginning, they were like, do we really need underlighting? And I was like, trust me. I was like, I, and you know, they've been a big client of mine for years now. We always do stuff for them. And I'm like, it'll look cool. And you want to know what? All the employees came up to us and were like, never looked so good in here there and I'm, and it was not even the up lights it was the underlights it was putting lights under the table and it was just those little touches it finished the look of the place mm -hmm. right yeah it's it's genius honestly so for what do you want to do next like what's kind of burning where you're like i haven't necessarily perfected this yet so for the dj stuff i keep on perfecting i i try to like make the system better right make it more streamlined and it's to the point now where you wouldn't even notice it but for me it's just going to make my timeline run a lot easier than i'd have but what i'm focusing on is what else can i add to toy bros to be a complete package like the photo booth stuff i'm not selling as many as i was um i was one of the first three manufacturers in the country mm. and then just let that Jeez. sit in right Back when I did it, nobody really sold them. How long was that again? Almost 15 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like 2010, 2011. <clears throat> but when I did that, it was just me. And it was a couple other people and that was it. And now there's like 50. Hmm. Everybody does it, right? Oh, I made my own booth, so now I'm going to sell it. 
So now I'm like, all right, I got to go back and refocus. What and and then I got into the gym industry and then everything hit and so I got out of that and now I'm really just focusing on Toy Bros, and I was drinking some bourbon a couple years ago with some friends and I drunkenly post on Facebook, hey, did anyone want to go on a trip with me? And last year I took 26 people to Egypt and I leave again in two weeks and I'm taking another 26 people and I run the whole trip and I love to travel. I've been to 13 countries in Africa plus 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 and I just love the people of Africa in general. Like you go to see things like I've been to Uganda and seen gorillas. I've been on safaris and seen lions as close as you and I are. But what keeps on attracting me back there are the people that mm. you meet, right? You're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with. And it's very humbling going to those places. So I like to show people why I travel like 30 hours to get someplace. And I posted on there. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. So that's going to be a new thing that I'm going to be offering every year. I'm working on next year already. I'm going to take 36 people and I rent my own sailboat down the Nile doing that kind of stuff. But on top of that, if you want to go on a honeymoon to Africa, I have you covered. I have people there. I've been to many of the places. I know who to book, what to do, what to see. And then I'm going to start offering sandals honeymoons and uh, a friend of mine just dropped off, um, you know, we're obsessed with Disney. We're going to start doing Disney honeymoons and stuff as well. So I'm just trying to encompass things that are in my wheelhouse. Sure. I'll never be a photographer. I'll never be a videographer. Could I do that? A hundred percent. But I, my reputation for DJ photo booths and those type of things mean more to me than hopping into a different market and kind of unsettling things, mm -hmm. right? I've been doing this long enough to know that you don't want to like put the cart before the horse, right? Like you just don't want to like screw things up and doing something like that. I, I know I couldn't be a hundred percent, but I knew I could be a hundred percent at DJing photo booths, being creative, helping you do that. And, and traveling is something I love to do. So that's the next like adventure that I'm going to start uh, doing. And it's already, it's, it's already started and it's crazy that it sold out in like two weeks. <laughs> So that was just like a, a bourbon thought? Yeah, it was a bourbon thought. It was literally, I just posted it. And then about a month later, it was legitimately sold out. And I was like, oh, people gave me all this money. Now I really have to plan it. <laughs> and then it was funny because then it happened. I was like, all right, we're going to go on this cruise ship. And because you don't know what you don't know, mm -hmm. right? That's my big saying is you just don't know. When I went in 2017 or 2018 to Egypt, I had a great time. But then you get like stuck in these stores like Egyptian cotton sheets or this or that or everything, right? And... I spent half my trip just like in stores because they're getting paid for the, to send people there. So then when I plan this trip and I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, Oh, I can take a sailboat. I don't have to take like this really old cruise ship down the Nile. I'm like, well, that's going to be a lot more money. Well, how about I get enough people to go to rent my own boat and hire my own staff, my own chef and all of that. And, and it just kind of, and again, it's that 90% to hundred percent that changes it. And, it's something if you went and you went on my first trip, you're like, oh, that was amazing. I saw the pyramids. I saw this. I saw that and everything. But for me, I was like, well, that sucked. And <laughs> and then I so then I planned the trip and I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I'm going to add this. I'm going to do this. And I'm like, well, this is something I could do. This is literally something I could do. I love to plan those type of things. Mm -hmm. It's the same. It's like doing cool 360 events, making the booth move without you really knowing it. That's really where I like to strive is like give somebody that experience that they didn't even know existed. That's insane. It is. And it kind of made me think about a large DJ event 
Mm-hmm. What's the what's the largest event you've ever DJed? Because isn't there like Tomorrowland? Isn't that has the, oh, yeah, ever like a goal? Half a million people. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, Would you funny. ever do that? When I started DJing on Chippewa back in two thousand three, two thousand four, mm-hmm. um, we used to house music didn't even exist. That's why I still listen to house music now. Mm-hmm. It's like Chicago. It used to be called Chicago House, right? We used to bring in DJs that now play for like a half million people or make a million dollars for a showing like cascade we would just pick him up from the airport call him ryan um he was on this record called Ulm records and my brother ran a nightclub down in chippewa and it's now a dentist place which is really funny <laughs> i drive down and i was like man i slept on a lot of floors in this place and now it's a dentist place um but he we used to bring him in like once every other month and it would be like five thousand dollars pick him up hey what's going on ryan how you doing he'd play a set and leave and fast forward like 20 years later and even like 10 years later like house music and techno really took off and he's playing he's headlining shows all around the world making half million dollars mm-hmm. but it's funny it's like just the little things that i've been doing throughout the years uh, you're just like wow that guy really made it like he legitimately made it and i mean the most people i played for was probably like 1500 2000 people or also Where? I do the, I was do firework music for Canisius Lake. So whoever's listening uh, or watching this podcast uh, at Canisius Lake, we always do the firework music for it to the beat of the music. And then we DJ for, you know, after the firework show and stuff. But midwinter bash, when I ran my teen dance, we had, I sold 2000 tickets at the time. I was probably 2006 and I had parents coming in begging for tickets for their kids. There is, it was at the event center on Main Street in Clarence. And it was so bad that I had Big Black from MTV come in, right? And I had him staying at Salvatore's hotel. It took them an hour and a half to get there. Now, if you're familiar, Salvatore's is literally a 10 minute drive. But there's so much traffic coming up Main Street, and it's over by the where the pumpkin mm-hmm. is now. That that event center doesn't exist anymore. There's just so many kids getting dropped off, and there's like over fifty some schools. And at the time, I was selling sponsorship like Muddy Taco was our main sponsor, and you know Bryant and Stratton stuff. But I had almost two thousand high school students there. It was it was wild. Uh, like sweat was drip, dripping from the ceiling, and it was really <laughs> just because it was so hot in there because there's so many bodies in there. That's, that's crazy. That's really cool. And that's I've really, never been to one. Uh, never been to it. And that's really how um, Toy Bros started making its money. We donated almost $30,000 to charity that year. Um, it wasn't for me to make money, but when it started, kept on growing and growing, I was mm-hmm. like, I need more video screens. I need more projectors. Because at the time, when that was before we really were into weddings and we were doing school dances, but when we were DJing school dances, we were playing all the music videos too. So we set up like a seven by 10 screen and playing all the music videos. And I was making like $300 a night and I thought that was a lot of money. And now I'm like, what was I doing? That was like so much work. (laughs) It was cool, but it was so much work and so much technology involved. Like we talked about starting Mm -hmm. with CDs. Then I did custom built uh, computers that I custom built myself. But custom-built computers aren't easy to transport, and they're very heavy, and they would break. And then I got smart and just bought MacBook Pros and paid the extended warranty. And I was like, something broke here. Fix it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so if someone is looking to get a DJ for their wedding coming up, you're you're kind of a little bit different because it's not just you that is the only person DJing. Mm-hmm. So what is the lead time? Like some photographers are like two years down the road. It's like, all right, so for you that have employees, what's your lead time? Like four and a half years. <laughs> yeah, four and a half years. No, some of our dates started filling up for this year, last summer, like June, July. And 
filling up that's like seven weddings a night mm-hmm. that we're gonna do at one point like i said we were doing 10 12 weddings a night now we're capping at seven we'll do the eighth especially we save that eighth one for friends and family mm-hmm. or venues that refer us that you know hey we really want you guys to do this because it's gonna be a right fit for you so we'll always like keep one spot open i could do 10 12 easy i have enough employees and i have enough good djs to do it it's a matter of my sanity mm-hmm. um but if you haven't booked a DJ by the end of January, beginning of February for the same year, you're going to be almost out of luck. Our days this year, there's 26 Saturdays. I always tell, joke and say I have 26 days of the year to make money. And that's Saturday, first Saturday of May to the last Saturday of October. This year we have 28 because it's 11, 11, 23. So everyone likes the date. So November 11th is on a Saturday and we're sold out on that date already. But um, I would say out of those 28 dates, there's 20 that are fully booked already. Wow. Yeah. Everyone's going for that 11-11? Oh, it, it's always the numbers. <laughs> so, it, and, and New Year's this year is one two three one two three. Oh, okay. You get it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I actually sent you the screenshot, but somebody was like, who do I use as a DJ? And a, so I literally don't know the person uh, recommended you guys. And then I commented. I'm like, not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> guys are always booked. Yeah. But it was just really funny to see and again it's it's that whole really small community of exactly the wedding scene where it's just like yeah you would want them at your wedding and this year i'm really focusing um i bring a lot of the trends to buffalo right and you know some people will be like oh who's this guy right but it's true because i stay up with it. i talk to the people i talk to i'm in a group that has only 100 people all around the uh, like the united states that are some of the best of the best in the industry. And we chat and we see what each other are doing. This year, the hottest trend is gonna be the audio guest book. It kind of was last year, but this year it's gonna be the number one trend where it's, you know, it's just an audio recording of hmm. somebody leaves. Um, and then I then take it and make it into a video file because you can't share an audio file. I put a photo of you on it and then you can do whatever you want with it. But it's a forever memory of somebody leaving you a message. Now, there's a lot of people that'll do it that'll spend like $200 on a machine, make it right, and it'll sound bad. Mine is super advanced that you won't get the, you know, we're, we're wearing good quality headphones and we have a nice speaker here. You know, you get what you pay for, right? Mm-hmm. Like I spent almost $2,000 to make this audio guest book be good. Like you don't want to plug it into the wall, right? Why? Because you don't know where you're plugging in, you'll get feedback. So then I'm going to give a client something that has like that static in the background. No, it's a, it's powered by battery. There's just a lot, a lot of little things that we focus on. And so that's going to be the biggest trend of 2023, hands down. The other thing I'm doing is I realize that I keep on bringing all these trends, like the 360s. I was one of the first in the area to have it. And it's not that I didn't have it before. It was just like, how many things am I going to bring to the market that I can handle at one time? Well, this year I decided that, you know what? I'm not going to bring much to the market minus minus the audio guestbook. But I hired a videographer to come around with us two, three times a month to shoot film and footage. I hired somebody to help write blogs for events that mm-hmm. we have worked on because the content for me is going to be key this year. I, you know, we get so many referrals from people, from venues, from photographers. I, I would say 90% of what we book is all through email, only email. Nobody ever calls because they're like, oh, we were referred on Facebook or on this. And they'll book without even talking to us on the phone. But I'm like, all right, what can I do this year to really change that? And that was the content that I provide the, on my Facebook, on my Instagram, on you know my website. So that's really where I'm focusing this year is providing content. And it's not just for DJ stuff. I'm going to start you know the trends like 
top songs to pick. So I want to I want to start like helping other DJs out around the country, like multi apps to see how they started, how I started and the knowledge. Right. It's very easy for me to answer something. But mm -hmm. if you had a same question, take you hours of research. And, went, and that's how I sell so many photo booths. The same thing. I was like, you buy the booth. Most of them are the same. They use the same Canon camera. They use the same touchscreen, the iPad, printer, whatever. It's just how it's built or the knowledge of the person you're selling it, that's selling it to you. And that, that's what you're paying. You're paying for my knowledge, right? True. And that's why people hire us too. And venues refer us and those because of the knowledge that I've had for doing this for 22 years mm -hmm. and probably 20, 30,000 events. So those videos in the blog, where is that? Is that on your website or something? It's going to be all, we're, we started posting it. It's going to be every week we're going to come up with a piece of content. It's the first of the month is going to be a video. The eighth of the month is going to be a blog. Then the 16th is going to be another video. Then the end, of, then, then the 23rd is going to be another blog. Hmm. And then in between that, we're going to obviously post photos and stuff, but we're going to have like really good content. And one of our photo booths collects everybody's emails and phone numbers and I've never done anything with them. But now we're going to start like, pushing out all of our like blogs and different things to that email list and, sure. and text messaging just to keep people informed if they don't want it then that's fine but mm -hmm. <laughs> at least they know it's at there. least they know it's there yeah yeah, yeah the content's gonna be king like you, you, this is what you guys do right mm -hmm. uh, content is where it's going to be at from here moving forward for any industry so true so back behind you we got to talk about this because you have to be one of the biggest bourbon whiskey enthusiasts that we've talked to when when did that start i mean we know egypt started because of this so when did this start about six years ago and i hated bourbon when i uh <laughs> when i first tried it blanton's was my first ever bourbon that i tried i only had it because one of my best friends always drank it and i would just do it because i didn't want to upset him and he was like here have it and then he just grew a taste for it and I have an addictive personality. It's also a reason why I don't smoke. It's also a reason why I don't start mm -hmm. doing many things. It's the same thing why I'm addicted to my businesses because I'm addicted to making things better or the best they can be. And then, then you know, 2020 hit and uh, I was like, I need to build this because I had just a collection sitting all over the place. And I like to entertain. I like to have you guys over. I like to have my friends over. I like to host parties. And I joke and say, I don't like many people. And which is not true at all, but I would much rather have people over to my house, my, my wife and I are house and enjoy a nice night relaxing because every other night that I'm out, I'm always on and I'm true. always working Yeah, and, and it's fine. But from doing this for so long, I just know so many people and sometimes you just want that peace and that's kind of how this built and got started and then it's kind of like, you know, your wife would go to TJ Maxx every week. I'll go to the liquor store. <laughs> There's over like 50 bottles opened up too. They just don't sit there. Like I like to try them. And when Mike comes over every once in a while, I'll give him a vial and it'll be like, go home and try it. Let me know how, I, let me know how Colleen likes it too. <laughs> That's one thing that I do like is because you actually open them. They're yeah, not just exactly. there for show. Exactly. Correct. And it's very dangerous. And I have to return two of the vials uh, just so you know. But yes, now that... Uh... Now that things have changed in our household, it's it's very interesting how that whole thing works. But we'll touch on that during a weekly episode. So anyways, <laughs> the, uh, that is probably the biggest difference between you and your collection and essentially everybody else mm -hmm. is because you do open and you do drink your collection. And you share. And I share. It's yeah. It's, it's meant to share, right? Mm -hmm. Like I always I say it again, you're only as good as the people you put yourself around. I want people around me to have a good time. They may not want to spend a thousand dollars on a bottle. Well, you know what? 
I may have spent three or $400 on it, but I still want you to enjoy it. I don't want you to spend $150 at a bar trying, trying something that you don't even know if you like. Mm -hmm. But if I can give you an experience, then that's what I'm going to do. And I love a good cocktail. And over the last couple of years, I've become very good at it. I would never do it at a restaurant because it just takes so long. My wife loves to cook. I hate to cook. You know why? It takes too long. Mm -hmm. Like you screw it up and it's done. I screw up a cocktail. I can make another one two minutes later. It's sure. like a 10 minute ordeal, right? Like that's where it's at. I'm making my own barrel of Manhattan back there. I have all these other concoctions in the fridge that I pre-made and milk punches and different things like that where I'm working on a menu right now. So when people come down, <laughs> my biggest, my biggest pet peeve is like when some, we ask somebody what they want to drink and they're like, just make me something. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, that is like the worst thing that somebody can ask, say because do you like sweet? Do you like balance? Do you like this? And so now I'm just like, screw it. I'm coming up with my own menu with like 15 different cocktails on it. So during all these winter storms that we had the last couple of months, I keep on going to my wife, Jenna. I was like, try this, try this, try this, try this. <laughs> then I'm posting photos on Facebook and I'm never like a big Facebook person. I, I use it more for business, but now mm -hmm. I'm using it more just for, you know, drinks and traveling and different things. But I was like, man, I want to come over to your house. Like those look great. And right. Like, well, if it's worth drinking, it's worth making, right? So I've been doing a ton of research trying to figure out the best of the best. And that's kind of how everything in my world is. If I'm going to do it, it's going to be 100%. Sure. Otherwise, I'm not doing it at all. What's your bourbon of choice right now? Or your stag. whiskey of choice? Stag Junior, yeah. Stag. Um, love all the Stags. Anything, <laughs> Michael will attest to this, anything 120 proof and higher. I like the cherry notes in it. Um, I feel like it's because my palate is so damaged. <laughs> I... <laughs> we collectively fully understand and uh, yeah. know what you're talking about. And, and partly because I grew up in this area, I grew up going to Barville and in high school doing suicidal wing sanitary like challenges all the time. I feel like it needs to be stronger because, <laughs> because half this palette is gone from, uh, from oh, yeah. escapades. <laughs> Absolutely. What about cocktails? What's your favorite one to make right now? Just Manhattan, oh, Manhattan. Yep. Yeah. Hands down, or Bulvedere. Uh, Bulvedere is my choice uh, that I'll like to sip on, and then it just gets dangerous because I always make a double and a, and a big rock glass, and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of booze going on there. Oh, yeah. But it yeah, man, Manhattan. And as weird as it sounds, I've been starting to get into some tequila, hmm. um, and that was just kind of this past year, and I, I hate tequila but it makes me have a really good time and also a really bad headache. And I was realizing the additives and things. So I've been trying to teach myself and I've been making some cocktails that look, I have this one back there that is a milk punch type of cocktail and it's delicious. Actually, I didn't even have bourbon yesterday. We were watching the football and I made one of those cocktails mm. because it took, it takes like 36 hours to make it cause it filters through, um, filters through milk so that's where i get most of the people are like oh i'm not going to try that but this is through coconut milk and it's like the smoothest drink you'll ever have how does it filter through um you just wait for it to curdle a little bit oh really? okay and then it makes your shelf stable so that's um that was kind of for my birthday that's all i want to do is kind of like create like science experiments of milk punch because i my wife sees videos of dogs on tiktok i see bartenders and i'm like <laughs> oh that sounds cool so then i started doing that and i started perfecting it and we hit we for 10 years, I've had a Christmas party here and about a hundred people come and we have a bar menu now and I served a milk punch. I probably went through about eight quarts of it. Jeez. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of booze. Yeah. Definitely a lot of booze. <laughs> <laughs> so you, 
early on you talked about the monthly social events that you mm-hmm. had. That's where we first met. Yes. It was because of my wife. And then our first ever conversation, I don't know if you remember this, but it was about Zelda. It was about Zelda. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, and yeah. then it, it's grown, obviously, with different topics. But um, the the yearly parties that you were then having is kind of like a highlight for a lot of people, Just like the, the whole friend group. Mm-hmm. I, I think at this point, everybody really looks forward to it. There's a lot of, th- I mean, you'll see it, but there's a lot of things to your point about you, you utilize things from different people and you're trying to, you know, have good people around you. There are certain things that I've, and you essentially have taken from you. Uh, so first, thank you. But what I wanted to say and, and touch on is I hosted the, when the Bills went to the AFC championship game, I had people at the house. Cause I, you know, I did kind of the same thing, not at all to this extent, but I have, um, like the projection screen, couches, whatever, and then like a small little wet bar that we can kind of like make cocktails in. But to get into the basement, you had to give me your AFC championship ticket. And then everybody that came to the house got their ticket. And then at the top of the stairs, they gave me their ticket and I ripped off the the stub and they gave it to them and then they can go downstairs. And uh, the ice cube brander. Yeah. Which is out of brass. So then you can brand your ice cubes. And those conversations is what just makes it that much more fun and unique because it just... It just makes it fun. It's not just like, oh, people are going to come over for the game. We'll have pizza and wings. It's like, let's make something out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think you've done that with your business, but then also your collection, because now you're having a totally different element to conversations and the environment and, and mystique about, okay, I have a space, but how can I make it an environment? And it's not just a room. What was the planning process going into this? I always, when I built the house, I only built this house because it was a business move for me, right? 10 years ago, I was um, outgrowing my space. I was manufacturing photo booths in my in a rented garage. I was keeping my equipment in my garage, but then it was outgrowing that and I had to use my parents' garage. So I was looking, I was house hunting. I already owned the property that we're on right now for like two years because it was just, I knew it was a good spot from, from by the 400. Mm-hmm. I would get to wherever I need to be in 20 minutes, right? Pretty much any venue. And that was, you know, I've already been in business for 12 years at that point. So I'm like, I need to be someplace local and like center that people can come get stuff and leave. And everywhere that I was finding, I'm like, this is dumb. I'm like, I can't run my business. I still have to pay $1,500 a month just for a space to rent. And then I was listening to some podcasts and watching some videos. And somebody's like, why don't you just rent to yourself, build something on your property and rent it to yourself. And that's kind of how it started. It was like, I never want to build this house. And it turned out into that because it was the best business move I could make because I rent to myself now. And then the same token, I was like, well, if I'm building a house, I went around on, and then Facebook was popular and blogs and stuff started. That's when blogs were really popular 10 years ago. I was like, I looked up top things to do when you're building a house that you didn't do. That was the first thing I looked up and I just made notes of everything that they did. And I was, I'm like, I want to borrow my basement someday. It's just like every guy's mm-hmm. ever. And, <laughs> and I'm like, what else do I need? I need a bathroom down there. So I had everything pre-plumbed. I didn't want it to feel like a basement. So there's a window out mm-hmm. there. So I built it out that way. And it just kind of progressed from there. Cause again, I'm obsessive. So at that time I had nobody working for me. Um, I was doing everything on my own. I did probably a million and a half in sales that year. It was probably one of my best years that I ever had as a company. And it wasn't even Toy Bros. It was the photo booth stuff. I I sold over 300, almost 400 photo booths that year. And it was probably the worst but best thing that ever happened to me because I was building the house. So I was like, 
I'll just work harder. I'll just sell another photo booth. <laughs> like, it was just kind of like that. Um, I sold my house, so I was back living with my parents. But I was legitimately working from, I would say, about 5 a.m. to about midnight, 1 in the morning, um, the entire time. And I was also almost 300 pounds because I just worked mm-hmm. and worked and would eat my first meal at, like, midnight and then go to bed. But I survived. And then I realized that I can't keep on living this life. So I started working out, lost the weight. And um, and I was like, why am I working so hard? And I, that was my entire 20s, right? I graduated college when I was 20. Mm-hmm. So, when, so when the house was built, I moved in on my 30th birthday. And I threw a party for myself. And there was over like 150 people showed up. And I had a food truck out front. I had tours of the house. And it wasn't to show off. It was more of this is what I wanted for my life. And it was kind of a restart for me. And I still don't think Mm. most people knew that today. It was that that to me was my new life, right? It was I worked so hard, but I was probably a couple of hamburgers away from a heart attack at 30 years old. It was that bad. And I realized that I need to have a balance of work and play. And I love being around people, but I love around being real people, right? Mm. Like. There's people that you can hang out with at a bar and go home and be like, fine. But you know, the real people that are, you could tell are true, genuine people I wanted to have space for. So when I was building this house and through that process, I started ridding myself of like most people do in their 20s of friends that were just from high school that you just hung out with mm-hmm. and you didn't even know. And those were, that was again from podcasts that I was listening to back then saying, you know, you really only need to be around like 10 people, the rest of the people, what, what role do they fill mm-hmm. in your life? And I started doing that. And then by the time I got to 30 and I was losing the weight, I was like, all right, I want to show people what they can work for. But then in the same token, I never traveled, never did anything. And I made a deal with myself and I said, if I lost 60 pounds, I would start traveling and do something around the world. And at that year I went to, um, I went to the Olympics in Rio or not in Rio in London. Oh, sweet. And, and then I made a commitment to myself that wasn't to show it was for me that I will travel one place internationally every year, as long as I can afford it for the rest of my life, because that's what I need. And that's what I said. That's what I promised to myself. It was the same reason why I bought a BMW Z4 Roadster when I was 22, because I was 13 in Las Vegas. And I looked at my parents and I was like, look at that car. They're like, that's so cool. And I'm like, I'm going to buy one of those. And they laughed at me. <laughs> and it's a memory that I still had. And I literally bought the car and I drove it hardly ever. And I sold it like six months later. But I bought it because in my head, I said I was going to buy it when I was 13. Yep. And you're like, I'll show you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So... Toy Bros, can you just round out where people can find you? Like if they want to get in touch with either for you to do their wedding, photo booths, anything like that. Like where where can they find all of your information? Toybros.com um, is the best way to go. Our phone number is 716-479-1133. Instagram um, and Facebook, it's just backslash Toy Bros. Um, our Instagram and Facebook is probably the best way to see new things that we're doing and offering. And you'll start seeing all the new material that we're creating. And I'm really excited because it's finally showing not what I do, but what my my family, my employees create on a weekly basis that people don't see. And every wedding and every event that we do is so different. It's nice to be able to showcase all of that in the venues and the people that we work with. So my main focus is to focus on not just us, but everybody in this industry of what they're doing and what cool things they're doing. So I'm going to spend money of my own advertising budget budget referring a lot of other people because this industry is a family to me and Mm -hmm. it's how I make a living and I can't do what I do without the rest of them. 
I mean, again, that just speaks to how forward thinking you are because I don't know of any wedding DJ company that's putting out basically mini commercials of themselves of saying, this is what we can do. Mm-hmm. Hire us. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and this is kind of my leap leapfrog because I'm always a teacher and it's really hard mm-hmm. not to teach. Like there's other companies that have formed from my company and in this, in this market, which is fine because I taught that. All right. You can't get mad at those things. Like I am honored that somebody would want to go and start something that, you know, from watching what I have created over the last 20 years. So in the same token is I need to start helping other people, not necessarily in this market, but around the country. Mm -hmm. And that will fulfill my teaching need and teaching desire as well. Would you ever go back to teaching eventually? I miss it immensely um it was very it was very weird this is a story you you may want to cut this out later on but it was kind of funny my wife turned 30 she wanted to go on a disney cruise we go on a disney cruise but when i was teaching i ran the senior trip every year and we went to disney world and it was one of my greatest memories when i was in high school there was like a hundred of us and we still talk about it um we're in like magic kingdom at like two in the morning and tyrese is playing and there's a band there's like djs going it was really fun but then i kept that tradition and tradition going and we're on the flight home from Orlando. And wouldn't you know, there's 100 high school seniors from Iroquois getting on this uh, plane, <laughs> coming with all the teachers that used to come on the trip that I ran. That I started when I was 20. It was like a $100,000 trip that I was that they that I was responsible for when I was 20. It was, it's wild. And I'm like, it was very humbling. I sat there the entire plane and I was like, I fought for this trip for years when I was working there because they wanted to get rid of it. And I was like, it's tradition. You can't get rid of it. It's tradition. You can't get rid of it. And if somebody else was in there, I was like, all right, fine. It was a lot of work, but I knew the memories it created for me. So seeing those kids sit there on the plane and talking about how, what an amazing time they had, I was like, they probably wouldn't be having these conversations if it wasn't for me. And they Mm -hmm. have no idea who I am just sitting there. It's like a hidden celebrity like that. You don't like, you know, it's famous, but you don't know where he's famous from. And I'm just like, it was very like humbling just sitting back and listening to people talk as you know, they were half the plane saying this was an amazing time. And I'm like, yeah, you probably wouldn't have been there if I didn't fight for you guys for years. Right. All wearing those matching red and yeah, orange yeah. shirts. Oh, they only had white hoodies. <laughs> I was like, I go to Jenna. I was like, Jenna, I was like, when we went, I always did the red because red mm-hmm. for chiefs. And then I always did some other crazy color. And then the teachers would wear one color and the students would wear the other and then vice versa. Mm-hmm. And they're in white hoodie and they're in white sweatshirts. I'm like, how can you spot them? <laughs> I mean, it was a great trip. Yeah. I can I can attest to that. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming, sitting down with us. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to hit on before we go? I love you guys. Oh, well, love you, <laughs> yeah, love you too, man. man. Appreciate well, it. No, it's it's nice to work with people and see people do things that help this community, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of where we're at right now, right? We're all you you see the potential, and you see the potential in a lot of businesses and that, and you guys do that every week, and. Uh, the gratitude that people have after leaving this, I think it goes a long way and it's a testament to you guys. Just keep on doing it every week. I mean, you don't make money doing this, so you might as well enjoy doing, doing what you do. So Exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Anything else? No. All right. Go follow Toy Bros on everything. Uh, go visit the website. If you are interested in a DJ, again, Mike and I both had Toy Bros as our DJ, had Jeff as a DJ, which was an extra treat. But if you want Toy Bros as your DJ, go hit him up. He's got photo booths, up lighting, anything that you could possibly ask for. Go hit him up and uh, let him know what you want. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.
enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.